0: I would like to acknowledge the mothers of this land, the elders, their wisdom, their knowing, and my own elders and teachers. Welcome back, mummers. Today's episode is a special one. We're talking about the matrescence of miscarriage, something that I hope we can all speak more and more about. One of the key things that I hope this podcast and this platform does is bring all of the truth and all of the elements of becoming a mother to the surface and into the light. And miscarriage is a really important part of that. One of my dear mentors, Jane Hardwick Collins, often says that every pregnancy results in a birth and shows the mother what she most needs to know for the next season of her life. My other mentor, Dr. Orally Athen, says matrescence begins the moment you contemplate becoming a mother. Things begin to change. Therefore, with both of those explanations, of course there is a matrescence of miscarriage. Whether you only knew you were pregnant for a few days... A few weeks. You are a mother and you are changed through that experience. I know that this is a very personal issue and powerful issue for many, many of you. So please check in with your heart before you listen. But know the following conversation will warm your heart and I know will help you heal. Because the person I'm speaking to is Cat Thompson. I have known Cat for many, many years. She was one of the first women in my early programs, and she has now gone on to train as a mummerising coach and facilitator, specialising in miscarriage. She is, as she describes, a mummer of four: two healthy earthside children and two angels. And her experience with her two angel babies not only transformed her, but I know will also help her transform and support so many others. Enjoy this conversation. It's so important. Cat. Beautiful cat.
1: Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited and I'm so excited to have these conversations out in the world and not hidden behind closed doors that's it that's what we're here for i have known you
0: for a really long time so it feels like a really special moment to have you here you uh came into my world a long time ago in one of my programs and have been on such a divine journey even though i don't love that word a divine journey of matrescence of understanding yourself and now are really stepping into this place of advocacy. And that's what we're here to talk about. So can you share with us how this all began?
1: Sure. So um, I am a mum of four, two angel babies and two healthy earthside babies. Um, each and every one of those was a huge cracking open in and its own matrescence. I didn't discover you and the word matrescence until my first earthside baby. And, um, yeah, obviously that gave me, well, there were lots of tears initially because it gave me the roadmap. It gave me the framework to understand everything that I was going through at that time, but then also later circling back to understand why i had felt the way that i had when i had my two miscarriages because for me they were completely earth-shattering i was devastated and um it has taken a lot of work to understand how that has changed me and my identity Mm. do you mind sharing with us those
0: experiences
1: Yeah, sure. So I come from a long line of women who carried their babies naturally, uh, sorry, easily, gave birth naturally, breastfed with ease. And so that was part of my identity that I believed that would be the same for me. And my first pregnancy, we were overjoyed and excited for all of our hopes and dreams for ourselves and for our baby. Um. But at about eight weeks, I started to spot while I was at work and um, I'd heard that spotting was normal in or could be normal, um, certainly during early pregnancy. And it was a Friday. I remember kind of just getting through the day and making a GP appointment where they said, you know, we'll send you off for an ultrasound the next day, which was Saturday morning. So off we went and Um, I had heard that, you know, if there was no healthy heartbeat, we had been to a dating scan a few weeks before, so we had seen that, Um, but we'd heard that they don't really say anything, they turn the screen away, and certainly that happened, and the woman left the room for a long time, and then someone else came back in to check, and we heard those words that for every woman who has been through this, will know, uh, etched in her mind forever, and that is, I'm so sorry, there's no heartbeat. And my world imploded. And I remember my partner pretty much had to carry me out through the waiting room of all the other healthy pregnant women. I was a mess, and we sort of stood there in the car park of the of this facility, and we just both looked at each other and said, "Well, what now?" We couldn't get back into the GP because it was a weekend, and you know, so there was a lot of uncertainty. We didn't know what was going to happen. And um, anyway, later that afternoon at home, I started to bleed really heavily. And um, it's interesting reflecting back because it's all a blur and I I feel like I must have sort of been in the throes of those labour hormones because there was no sense of time. But certainly after about four and a half hours of being stuck on the toilet and bleeding really heavily, I thought, oh, maybe I'll call nurse on call and bless that woman she was able to, I guess, hold space for me enough that, you know, is there somebody at home? I think you need to pack your bags and go off to emergency. So, um, yeah, I then went into emergency and I'd been losing a lot of blood for a long time. And I was signing paperwork for a possible blood transfusion. And it was very chaotic and very bright and sterile. And there was a lot of blood. And it was a really scary time. But essentially they were able to get the the bleeding under control and the next morning they booked me in for an operation and I remember that was the Sunday morning and I remember the first feeling I felt as I woke up. I woke up in recovery and the first thing I felt was relief because I no longer felt morning sick. But then I remember looking around this, it was was the biggest um, women's hospital hospital in Melbourne, and just looking around this recovery ward, every other bed was empty. On this cold, wintry Sunday morning, I was the only woman in Melbourne who needed to have this operation, and um, that really confirmed for me the the isolation and loneliness. And later that morning, the obstetrician came in. You know how you're feeling? Obviously, like I said, fine. Like because I'm no longer going through all of that. She said, "Oh well, you can go back to work tomorrow." And that was that. And so in that moment, you know, I learned from the world that what I'd been through wasn't significant. Um, they didn't expect me to have any big feelings or any big emotional toll or recovery. And, yeah, I ended up having to go to the GP every day that week to ask for one more day off, one more day off, because I was completely falling apart and certainly returning to work was really hard because I was no longer the version of me that I had been before but nobody knew and I couldn't tell anybody Uh, I was going for a promotion I didn't want to get shelved for the promotion um yeah so I remember this really profound feelings of just feeling like nobody has any idea that I've just been through this huge experience um yeah and then my second uh, we were lucky we fell pregnant early again and the um I'm oh, sorry easily and same thing about the same time I had started to bleed but it was a, a Thursday I knew what I was going to do I finished up my day I left I'm a teacher well, a high school teacher I'd left all my work ready for someone else to take my classes the next day went home I fasted with the plan that in the morning um, my partner would take me into the hospital and we got in there and they said, well, you don't need to have an operation. You could just go home and wait for this to happen naturally. And I said, well, I can't. I've used up all of my sick leave. I, I don't have time to take off work anymore. Um, and behind that was the, I don't know if I can go through this emotionally again. Um, and I just remember that midwife looking me in the eye and she understood, and she said, "I will fight for you, and I will get you on a list," and uh, she did. And that was it. I had the next that operation, and um, I was sent on my way. And um, kind of just, I I felt that I should be okay, and I really, really was not okay. Yeah, and then luckily, again for us, we fell pregnant easily again uh that in itself pregnancy after loss is this whole other kettle of fish and um I spotted through the first trimesters with both of my earthside children and um yeah that was also traumatic and there was a lot of anxiety around around whether I could carry another another baby yes so those are in a nutshell my two stories Thank
0: you. Thank you for sharing them with us. Thank you for the depth of detail and feeling and emotion because whether you've had a miscarriage or not I think you can totally feel what that would be like and the thing I think I can hear is two things I would love to discuss with you. One is that sense of silence, that because we have this culture of you cannot tell anybody until 12 weeks, there's a real silence around this experience both for both partners. Let's be honest, there is also grieving and trauma there for the partner, the non-birthing partner as well. Absolutely. And the second is then um, what do we need in the system to do differently in terms of that support, that uh, post-operation support, the post-bleeding support, all of that but let's first start with you when we live in a time and place where early pregnancy is not discussed and therefore early pregnancy loss is not acknowledged what do you think this does
1: what did it what did you experience and what do you now see um it's fuel for the stigma and taboo you know that we're we're labeled Um, as well even the name miscarriage implies that the woman has done something wrong Mm. and that it's shameful uh, and that um, you know tying in with that our our definitions of in our culture of what is a successful woman and what is a good mother um, in both of those definitions if we can't carry a baby or we we lose our baby, that we have failed somehow in all of that. Um, And certainly, uh, interestingly, the the 12-week rule, my understanding is that's actually quite new in our culture. It's became um, present with the development of ultrasounds. My understanding is that before ultrasounds, like in my grandma's generation, women wouldn't actually say anything until they started to feel the flutters of those early kicks when they could feel the baby and start to confirm the pregnancy. Um, yeah, so it's interesting that that's quite mm. new in our culture.
0: I um, I want to share that um, I experienced a miscarriage. The thing that I found really interesting, Kat, reflecting on what you just said was I found myself apologising to him. Mm. I'm sorry that my body did this. I'm sorry that and it really does feel like there's something that your body did wrong even though cognitively we know that that's not the case even though cognitively we know it's because this wasn't a healthy viable baby in, in one way or another it still it does still feel like a failing doesn't it
1: yeah it really really does and I haven't as much as I've explored it I still haven't kind of got right to the center of, of where that comes from but um yeah, I just think it's so ingrained in our culture that, you know, we as women are the, are the creators of life and that we are also the site of death. But our baby is also in, as with all stage of, of pregnancy, even at the end when um, a full-term baby itself begins labour, But that's hard for us to kind of cognitively understand. Mm. So it does feel like us because we are the ones who are fueling and nourishing and building that baby. You know, we supply the oxygen. We supply the food. We remove the waste. Um, So it's just it's so inherently intertwined with our own beings, isn't it? It is. And very much that assumption that because
0: we are born female, this should be easy and natural for us. You know, that this is something we should just be able to do. And so therefore, if at any time we can't, then that does tie back to a questioning of yourself, of your body, of who you are. The other thing that really surprised me was how connected I felt in such a short amount of time. And again, found myself thinking, you shouldn't be this upset. It was only for a few weeks. Again, internalizing this story that our culture tells women, which is oh, you know, it was only a few weeks. It wasn't really a full formed baby yet. All of the things we're told. Also, look at your age. It's probably a good thing. Like all of those things that we're told, we internalize these stories as well, don't we?
1: Yeah, we absolutely do. And I remember saying to people, um, you just don't realize how connected to that ball of cells you are until they're gone. And Certainly now with advances in in medical technology and understanding, we know that as soon at that that moment of conception, there is a cascade of physiological changes that begin within a woman that are irreversible. And um, we can't see them, they're invisible, but they have begun and they, you know, it's leading to changes in our brain Yes, these, these changes are real and they're significant and although in the beginnings they're invisible that doesn't take away from how big and um, important they are that's right and when we look at our
0: definition of matrescence that we use from Dr Orly Athen, that whole circle of transformation has begun the minute you find out you're pregnant you do begin to rethink your social position your career your money your other kids your relationship your body your place in the world your future all of that kicks in immediately and so that process of changing your identity changing who you think you are has begun
1: yeah absolutely so
0: important that matrescence of miscarriage the matrescence of
1: pregnancy begins yeah absolutely and um and our rethinking and how all of those points that you just spoke about, they all get affected as well when then our baby dies. That's
0: right. You know,
1: our relationships, um, we go into a postpartum period. Mm-hmm. Um, economically, there can be impacts, loss of work or other fertility treatments that we might need in the future. Everything is impacted again.
0: Mm-hmm. Before we move on to the system and what we need to be doing better, I also just wanted to share that something that really helped me move through this is the work of Jane Howard collins yeah. which says that every pregnancy ends in a birth. That's right. And it shows the woman what she needs to know for the next season of her life. I loved that. And she talks about this, whether the birth is a miscarriage whether it is an abortion whether it is a stillbirth whether it is a beautiful healthy earthside baby every pregnancy ends in a birth and shows the mama something and that really that was a mantra for me through this and I wanted to share that with you with and everybody how do you feel
1: when you hear that um yeah I love those words it's incredibly validating um and there's, oh, there's so much that I want to say about that. Um, yeah, I think it's just firstly, I think it is really important that we realise that um, miscarriage does end in a birth. And um, as you know, one of the I, I don't like the word miscarriage because it implies that the woman has done something wrong. And there's that's certainly been something that's been spoken about for a long time. But what do we replace it with? Um, and the word that I like to replace it with is early birth because that has really positive connotations. It helps us build links with the, the knowledge that actually our body does know what it's doing. Um, when a you know a new pregnancy, a new baby is I hate this word, but it's not viable. Um, it's because the baby and our bodies know that there's something, that has gone wrong um and so our body does everything that it possibly can to make sure that this pregnancy needs to end and it does everything that it needs to to make sure that before that labor begins the baby is actually dead so I think it's really important, yeah, that we we can begin to flip the lens that we that we view it through. And and I like I just love the the term early birth for that reason. Um and then linking with that idea that you know we do go through a birth. There there is a labour. And even I was recently rereading something on the the women, the Royal Women's Hospital, their fact sheet about miscarriage, and you know, many women just have like a heavy period. Well, no. For some, yes, that's true. And particularly the earlier on in the pregnancy, that might be true. But certainly I was having, I couldn't sit. I was having full, well, you know, contractions. Um, And my baby had died at about seven weeks. Right through to miscarriage is defined all the way up to about 20 weeks. Well, certainly 20 weeks in Australia. Um, Then you're, you're delivering a baby. And for some women, their milk comes in. And um, yeah, so that what happens on the birth altar, as Jane talks about, absolutely sets the scene for who we become in this next identity that we are becoming. Um, And that's why I sort of alluded to earlier that when that obstetrician said, oh, well, you can go back to work the next day, I understood that what I was going through shouldn't be significant. The rest of the world didn't value it, didn't see it as a big deal. Um, And it was really in opposition to what my my lived experience was. And so I felt a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of isolation. I hid further and further away because what she was telling me, the world thought about me, didn't match with how I felt about myself. Um, And I think we definitely... I mean, this is the same for all motherhood, but certainly moving into that fourth trimester, I think when we don't allow ourselves to to feel like we're allowed to have a fourth trimester if we deliver earlier because it's called first trimester, second trimester, third trimester, fourth trimester. Well, mm-hmm. are you allowed to have a fourth trimester if you haven't had a second and a third? Wow, No, so beautiful question. Yeah, could we change the language around that because we should feel like we have permission to be in a postpartum period. Our body needs to recover. We need to do all those restorative, nourishing things for a period of time to get our bodies, um, you know, back and come home to ourselves.
0: Wow. That is a really amazing concept that I haven't thought of before fourth trimester for whatever trimester you have birthed in so what did you need and looking back wish you had
1: instead um acknowledgement um you know acknowledgement is always the first step megan devine who wrote the book it's okay that you're not okay that's what she That's that's her language and I love it. Um, I needed a safe space. Certainly by the time that I felt like I had enough oomph back to be able to make a phone call to go and seek some help was well after the three-month period, which is the first three months is the only time that the hospitals in my local area offer support. So I felt like I'd missed out there. So, yeah, just a safe space that's non-judgmental. Um, people who get it, is really, really important. And I think just having these conversations to normalise the experiences gives us the permission that we need to allow ourselves to grieve, to allow ourselves to process, to go into that darkness or to go within to be with whatever devastation or pain that, that we're in. There's there's no, there's no way around that. There's only through it. So um, we just need to provide those spaces where that can happen
0: because so often the focus is to try and get pregnant again it's it's such a what we would describe almost as this you know productivity focus you know okay failed that time but let's try again and let's try again and let's try again and that space in the middle to grieve is rushed because you want to try and get pregnant again as quickly as possible and i think That's so much of the experience of motherhood, isn't it? There's no time and space to just honour where you are before you move to the next step. And I think when you say acknowledgement, who do we
1: need that acknowledgement from? Ah, Interesting question. Um, Everyone. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I thought. But certainly at least from one person. Yeah, we need someone to say whatever you are or are not feeling is is okay and normal. Um, you know, I was completely broken apart by my miscarriages because I wasn't expecting it and I didn't have any support around me and I didn't know that I was allowed to seek support and all those things. Um, but I, some people, miscarriages are blip for them and that's completely normal and okay for them. So um, I think by having these discussions and normalising that, that there is a full range of experiences, um, not every, like the actual physical process itself is really different. There's a lot of variation in that and there's a lot of variation how we respond emotionally and then spiritually as well. Just normalising all of that is, we do that through having like these conversations. Mm.
0: And what do you think just finally before we finish up what do you think about the idea of miscarriage leave that some workplaces and some places
1: are, are discussing? I love it. Mm. My In my ideal world, um, we would just be signed off for two weeks. Mm. Actually longer, but let's say two weeks. <laughs> um, and that if you choose that you are ready to go back to work within that time, you can. Mm. Um, and that should be offered to everybody in the you know the the mother and the father Mm, or both parents I should say apologies yeah um and I really feel that if that leave is offered our productivity on return would be worth it because why do we want broken people to go to work and, and not do a great job that's right let's give people the space they need to heal and process and then rise up again ready to go again
0: and it'd also break down the silence because if it's visible in the workplace, then we can finally make it visible. Absolutely. I think it has to be treated with such care. You know, it should be anonymous if it, you, you know, if you need it to be, to be able to contact someone in HR and just have that one person know that this is why you're gone for two weeks. I think there needs to be some some honouring around the sensitivity of it. But if we can hopefully get to a point where It's not this taboo thing. It's not this secret thing that no one shares and talks about. I feel that the healing for women will be profound and their partners. I said finally before, but I do have one more thing I want to ask. (laughs) What if a woman is listening to this and she had a miscarriage five years ago, Kat, and she's only just realising or maybe in fact she's realised for a long time that that affected her more than she thought, what can she do now?
1: Well, firstly, absolutely acknowledge with kindness to ourselves or to herself that um, what she has been through is significant Um, and it's not in her head. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that she is allowed to go and seek support, to go and ask for help um, and to go and find a safe space to process and heal. We can start that journey at any time. And certainly grief is not linear and it never ends and it comes up at the most inconvenient times. So if you're listening to this and it's cracked you open again, um, then please reach out and seek support, and recognise that this is another. This is an opportunity to heal and process a little bit more.
0: Beautiful. That's it. This is an opportunity to heal and rewrite that story and really connect with that experience in a different way. Kat, you're starting to create monthly gatherings of women to be able to heal, to be able to reflect and be in a safe space. I'll share all of those details in the show notes and your Instagram and, of course, people can reach out to you to follow up if they're needing it. But thank you. I am so proud I am so proud that we're here now after the years of growth together, you and I, and to now witness you stepping into this role of advocacy and a voice for these women with early birth experiences. So thank you for your courage and your commitment for all these years to be here doing this.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and so much gratitude for all of that as well. And again, just for being able to have this conversation and connecting with so many women and families out there will really make a difference. Yeah. Thank you, beautiful.
0: It is such an honour to be able to have conversations like this, to begin to talk openly about how these experiences change us and how we need to be doing them better. You can reach out to Cat. Share with her your reflections on this podcast. Lean into her if you need some extra support, whether your miscarriage was just recently or many years ago. You can find her on Instagram at miscarriage transformed. And also remember that you can do this differently even now, no matter when this happened to you. It was meant to be honoured. It changed you. And I hope that this is the beginning of your healing. As always, we are here if you need. Until next week, Satnam. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince.